The following audio may contain coarse language and other material that may not be suitable for a younger audience. Viewer discretion is advised. Also, we may spoil anything and everything, so you have been warned. Hello, and welcome to Movie Gang Podcast. I almost said Feast for Bros. is on my mind. Welcome to the Movie Gang Podcast. over, Ben. We are here talking about the new film from Steven Spielberg, the BFG. No, it does not stand for Big Fucking Gun. You Doom lovers out there, no. It is the Big ah. Friendly Giant, based on the classic <laughs> Roald Dahl novel. And today we have a uh, bit of a man. We're going to mansplain to you. We got first up, Peter. Hey, 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 everybody. How's it doing? Ben, that just proves we are nerds. The fact that you brought up Doom for Big Fucking Gun, that just proves how big of a, how big of a nerd. Everybody on Reddit wouldn't shut up about it. I'm like, stop making the joke, and then I made the joke. Wait, really? Reddit made that? Too. Oh, wait, of course Reddit made that joke. Oh, yeah, yeah, surprised. of course I made that joke. They're nerds, too. Oh, God. They're like, and they acted like, oh, does Steven Spielberg know? I'm like, Steven Spielberg doesn't give a shit. Like, what are you talking it's about? It's a children's book. God. <laughs> it's a children's book from the 80s. Nothing yeah. is sacred. Trevor is also here. How are you, Trevor? I'm good. How are y'all? I'm good. Well. My name's Ben, and uh, yeah, we're going to be here talking about the BFG. For those who don't know, the BFG is a classic 1982 Roald Dahl book that has been adapted before into an animated film, and now has been adapted into sort of a CGI live-action hybrid, a la, let's say, Avatar-ish. Uh, it is a very interesting film. I thought it was very sweet and very charming and very beautiful. Which probably is why Trevor didn't like it. No, I'm just kidding. Trevor. <laughs> oh, please. <laughs> I'm so mean. No, uh, Trevor, first off, uh, would you care to explain basically the basic premise of BFG and what you thought of it? Uh, yeah, that's... Um, wow, looking from coming out of the movie, that's kind of a challenge because you kind of lost track of the plot at some point. Um, but the there was a plot. Premise, there, yeah. w- there was a plot. No, um, it just kind of comes out of nowhere. The, uh, the BFG is the big friendly giant... He traipses around um, London, uh, giving people dreams is kind of his hobby that he likes to do that makes life meaningful to him. And he stumbles across um, the uh, the protagonist, young Sophie, an orphan, sees him. So he uh, abducts her because can't be known about giants and takes him back with her to the um, giant's world at uh, which time she gets to know a little bit more about him and the fact that he's at odds with all the other giants that are not nearly as clever or enterprising as the bfg which is actually the smallest and scrawniest of all the giants has a bit of a problem (laughs) so she tries to kind of help him uh get over that and get out of that situation no it's a it's a fair thing it's it's sort of an interesting film in that way I guess I'll start off by saying I will agree with most people that it's probably too long. It's two hours, and it feels like an 80-minute movie, like in like a short, breezy 80-minute movie. But I kind of like it for that reason as well, which is very unfair. <laughs> I guess maybe I'm just tired of these very... I think when I think of my... Especially like Alice in Wonderland. I didn't see the sequel, so I'm talking about a six-year-old movie here. But I'm kind of tired of these like big, loud... In your face, so many effects, so much stuff, so much noise in these kids' movies. And this one was just so languid and quiet and simple that I just really, really appreciated it, even though I could kind of 
I kind of know deep in my heart that doesn't all work. And it's sort of this weird thing where, like, my best recommendation is you should have grown up on this movie for 20 years. Like, it's the best thing to be seeing this movie <laughs> when you're six and then rewatch it when you're 26 in 2036. You know, like, it's very much a movie that I think kids will like it, also be bored by it, also be deeply ingrained in their brain. Uh, a, a similar thing I feel like to Hook, which I know I'll get like, oh, Hook is amazing. So it'll uh, kind of uh, be Hook. like their version of Lion King, except Lion King, yeah. like is is except Lion King isn't as boring, nearly. But like, right, but it's, right. But I, like, yeah, it's, I can see that. It's similar to me it's to just Hook. Whimsy. That, like, Hook it's is all whimsy. Yeah, it's it's yes. whimsy, and you have to be <laughs> a high tolerance of whimsy. And maybe I just wanted a lot of whimsy in my life at this moment because life was like it's really been sad these last couple months, and like just the news and everything it's like ah oh, it's a nice friendly giant movie but i can understand yeah life is pretty dark lately so i get that for sure i feel like i yeah no i feel like i kind of i mean i may be misremembering but i feel like i kind of led the uh, the charge to for us to review this i remember because we weren't thinking about going through with it at some point and i was just completely i i didn't read the book as a child or anything but i totally bought the uh, the marketing i wanted to see this oh yeah no neither did you I, were feeling I, the whimsy huh? no yeah neither did i but yeah. I, but i but i agree with that i mean i mean like i i i walked out of this movie like like it, like it was definitely a disney film like a disney film totally targeted towards children so that so that made it very heartwarming and like and like like a, like a carefree spirit about it so it, it, it was a it's a sweet movie like like so i can i totally get why like 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 why kids will enjoy this like it's it's just, it's just a nice sweet loving movie to go see right but i also like i was next to a bunch of i had so many kids in my oh, God, theater no, I was, and my uh, theater is filled and, same and, yeah i did not re- realize how targeted towards especially smaller kids it was going to be but. right and and it's also interesting like to watch the kids like i ended up watching the kids because they were very loud and, and frankly distracting but you know they're kids what are you gonna do you can't get mad about that but like there, there was moments where I could tell they were bored and restless, you know, like, and so, mm-hmm. but I also can see like at the end, they were all like, I'm the BFG and they're like kids pretending and like getting into it. So like, there's clearly an effect there and it's hard to say like, is that a bad thing necessarily that like they were dulled at points? Like do they always have to be entertained, I guess. And it's so tough with Roald Dahl because Roald Dahl is a very dark book writer. I think if you yeah, want to see, see like, the most Roald Dahl movie I think ever is The Witches because like it's so dark and Ooh. almost mean and intense. Like I think Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory is a better movie because it kind of cuts back on some of that meanness. But I think The Witches is the most accurate because he's kind of mean and he kind of hates kids <laughs> a little bit, which kind of yeah. makes him so fascinating. This is the most like very toned back because Roald, this is like also the sweetest Roald Dahl book. I think also like he is the big friendly giant. Now the giants and the other ones do eat kids and it's more like obvious that they eat kids in the book but it's it's odd it's just a very odd film because it is very late Spielberg it is slow paced it is quiet and it kind of comes and goes but you still like it's it's just I don't know it's very odd in that sense of like the pacing well see I'm glad you you brought up the the point that it was the friendlier of the Ronald Dahl books because there's definitely some of that dark humor in there but I, I one of the things I heard is that they cut down on some of that from the yeah, book, I heard that too. Even in this one, yeah, they definitely cut, especially like anything with the giants who eat like, kids. Like, eating, yeah, straight up yeah. eat kids in that book. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> like, the only the only, t- the only time that, or at least in my opinion, like the the closest they got to directly referring to that was 
was was was when was when we were in when we were in the room with the queen and and the and the woman shows her the uh shows her the new the newspaper about children disappearing um like you you go like you go from that and then and then also Sophie and BFG seeing the other giants like just roaming like roaming about the countryside those were like the two closest incidences besides BFG just being like yep no they eat like they're cannibals like 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 to to us knowing oh they eat children but they never actually showed it because it's like no that would be pretty fucking dark for children to like to children to, like actually see or like fully understand with the kind of film that this well was. it's pretty heavily implied to the point that i think maybe children could understand that at least um the bfg's um earlier childhood or um, child friend the boy that he t- he mentions was eaten uh, by yes, the other that's giants true. That's true. Yeah. The, re- the red jacket but, that um, sophie wears yeah, yeah, and that's always the choice you have to make as a filmmaker to roll dolls, how dark you make it. Uh, it was, like I said, it was I just a really like... weird tonal shift between knowing that information, even I think as much as that we did, and as much as it was implied, and then the, the, the giants just being really bumbling and really played for laughs, kind of. Definitely, definitely, yeah. It's supposed to be like this big threat that the queen is supposed to take seriously, while also like there's corgis that fart. Like, it's it's a yeah. bizarre... <laughs> Anything with the queen was bizarre. Like that always has been a bizarre part of the book, and it was very bizarre in the movie too. Where, boy, it it, it perked up all the kids in my audience. Like the farting mm-hmm. team got the oh, most yeah. laughs and anything, and you also realize how easy it is to appeal to kids, I guess, as well. Yeah, but, uh, pulling off that big it, of a fart joke. <laughs> it's that's what makes that film so weird and interesting. Like I kind of love it, and I kind of also completely understand. It's, I don't know. I I want to make it up for bad for it, but the farther I get away from it, sometimes I think like. I don't know like that stuff here totally i have to say this about the fart joke before we move on um it totally did not play for me because i had just seen um swiss army man like the day oh my goodness (laughs) 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 Um, yeah the uh, farting corpse movie for uh those of our viewers that aren't acquainted with swiss army man yeah we we will talk about that movie we will talk about that movie we will we will the uh the fart humor in the bfg just wasn't up to the bar i'm afraid no, for Swiss Army Man, at the very least, that's a high bar for fun. Yeah. Man. I will agree <laughs> on that. It's, it's, it's very true. Yeah, it's... I think one thing I did like about it a lot was the language. I think you probably can get tiring for some, but I did I, That's like, the biggest argument I can make for this film, is that Mark Rylance just does such a great job. He's so as the BFG. good. I think that's what it comes down to, is every time it's Sophie and Mark Rylance and the language of the original book, it's just everything I like. It's everything I want. It's just compassion and love. And Mark Rylance's face is just so expressive. Yeah. And they do a great job of the facial animation. It's very odd because, like, the compositing, I think, is very bad. Like, in terms of her mm-hmm. feeling like he's she's right next to him, I never could really get behind. That's the thing. between their In their dialogue, I never felt like there was much weight to it. Like, yeah. whenever they cut back and forth between them, I'm like, in it, whenever it's on the BFG's face, and then he cuts back to Sophie and cuts back to him, and I'm just it, it just didn't feel... Like they were both really there, either with it, the it acting me, or with the effects. It made me appreciate Jungle Book a little bit more. Like, I was going to bring that up. Like, yes, he that kid really felt like he was in the same room with those animals. You know what I mean? Like it felt like a conversation. And you're absolutely right, uh, Trevor. Like it definitely felt like she was talking to a green wall, and then Mark Rylance was talking to another green wall. Yeah, I, like it didn't have that kind of symmetry that Jungle Book did much better. Or yeah. I was mm-hmm. totally gonna bring that up because I was gonna say like like this is the second movie we've seen this year where a child has had to pretty much act out 
most of, if not n very nearly the entire film, like against nothingness, like like some kind of blue or green screen where it's like where it's like they gave like they gave them direction. It's like okay, go, like like use your like use the imagination that we all say kids have so much of and act. Definitely. Yeah, part of me wonders if like they had Mark Rylance on stilts in the studio just like for you know like for reference for props, just you know <laughs> just to have a reference. Yeah, I'm curious kind of how they made this one, but that's the thing is I do kind of feel like where this movie failed for me is that it is something of a CGI fest. Like I feel like part of the same reason this movie was made and what's so beautiful about it is also the reason it it lags and kind of feels really bloated. It's just that. I mean, the style they went with the CGI from the, you know, opening shot and the way that y you can see that it's going to be, like, more fake feeling. Like, they don't try to render it so that it looks realistic, and I think that's fine. Mm -hmm. But yeah. then, it like, whenever you get into the... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Whenever you get into the big, like, showpiece scenes where they're, like, at the dream tree and whatnot, like, it just kind of... Just... You, you can just see the camera wandering around the set basically if there was a set just <laughs> trying to immerse right. you in the world but it just keeps going and going to the point where even when um like in his uh, in his workshop in the bfg's workshop when the uh, the big bigger giants come looking for sophie and they're just blustering around like ruining all his stuff uh -huh. they're looking for sophie the whole time like going to eat her and she's just finding different places to hide the whole tension of that scene is and the stakes are completely lost though because it just keeps going on and on at least that's it's, how i felt about it yeah it's it's something that spielberg did with tintin as well i don't know if any of you guys saw tintin but that has like a very elongated like it's interesting shot that you can only do in cgi uh -huh. and it's so fascinating the way he does it because in Tintin, it's like this same perspective where, like, basically he's perfectly going through all these obstacles, and it's only something you could ever choreograph with CGI. Mm -hmm. And it's both completely amazing the way that's like so perfectly choreographed, yet it's so perfectly choreographed, you know, in a computer that it feels stilted. And I feel the same way, where it's like there are these really elaborate, classic Spielbergian one-word shots, but she's like going under a giant, and right then he falls, and right before right. he grabs her, he gets hit, and like it's he's like perfect tiny little things but because it's kind of mixed it's like you can just see the kid running down a straight line in a green screen and right. you can see a computer animator perfectly timing out every little thing it's hard it didn't to feel, feel like, like there was any weight to it. yeah there was like no weight to that so that you didn't feel like there was anything at stake the whole time like she's never right she's, she was never really in danger whenever like whenever, whenever like the right. stakes were like the stakes got high or whatever yeah yeah, that was, I think, one of my biggest problems with it. Right, and I where think it really why, started lagging for me. Yeah, I think that's why I maybe even liked it a little bit less toothless or something. Like, maybe it was just the BFG and her hanging out, showing dreams, her learning things, no villains whatsoever. I know it's a huge part of the book, but it's like, it's almost like every time, yeah, we get to those confrontations is where it loses me. The parts that are the best of me and the parts that make me like this film so much are the micro Lance's face and these beautiful little monologues and these quiet moments of her and finding dreams and this really nice little simple scene of showing what this kid's dream is right. through shadows on his wall like just like yeah, those did, classic spielbergian yeah. little moments like that and then you, yeah you do get these big moments where they're very perfectly choreographed but you're right there's the, a weightlessness to it and it never quite 
Another thing I'll give Jungle Book, it, it felt more like that kid was in danger, definitely. Like, there was more of a weight and a, a tension there. Even though it was tension it didn't feel it was earned, it was definitely... The action felt more properly directed. I mean, I mean, I, I guess, I guess to speak to that, I, I guess it's just that for us, like being adults and and not and not being kids, we just kind of had this innate knowledge that there that that there was that Sophie Sophie or BFG, like neither of them was ever going to really be in danger. So that when they did try to introduce conflict, we ought, we automatically knew that there that there that there wasn't going to be any repercussions for it. We 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 knew that there wasn't going to be anything bad that came of it. So, I, I so I, so I guess to speak to that is, we were just we were looking for like real danger, but we just knew it wasn't gonna we just knew it wasn't gonna come. But, no, that's a good point. I mean, because like, because like when you're five, when 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 you're when you're a kid and you see this kind of stuff, like I I, I definitely heard, uh, I could I definitely heard and could like find it kind of feel the chil- like the children who were in the theater with me, like I got like I, I, I could feel I could feel all of them kind of hold their breath a little bit, like I, I there there was one there was one kid like who who when Sophie was almost caught um was almost crushed when she was in the uh in in the ca- in the car and and the and one of them was using them was using the two cars as roller skates mm, like yeah. I, I i heard i heard one kid they were like no 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 like, don't crush her like, like so like when you're that young like there's you you feel as if there's that danger but i think for us like there's probably there there must have been that disconnect because we knew that the stakes weren't really that like the stakes weren't really that great like we 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 knew that like coming out of this with it being based on a children's book with it being disney that everyone everything's going to turn out right well that's a very odd thing about kids in general is that kids are very sensitive to these things they can also take a lot which is very odd like i can't believe that any parents showed the witches <laughs> to kids or even <laughs> willy wonka like these movies are dark some of these movies are so dark oh, yet yeah. kids are also very the sensitive to that willy wonka dude to, mm-hmm. they'll remember the dark the parts of the BFG as a kid. Like, they probably will be scared of... There will be kids who leave scared of these giants as much as we're calling it toothless, which I think is interesting. So it's like... Are we making these for kids? Or are they making them for us? Or are we making them for both? And that's where I, I don't know. That's mm-hmm. where it's tough for me to say BFG. I feel like a lot of kids will go and love it and be enchanted. I think also a lot of kids might go and be horribly bored. I just... I was going to say, at the same time, I heard kids coming out of my theater saying, mm, yeah, the book was better. Um, right, right, <laughs> and it's it's those things where sometimes when you go see these movies, I don't feel that way with Pixar movies, and I don't feel that way with like DreamWorks movies or, or other, like, especially a lot of animated movies, but these, especially like these live action kids movies. That's when I have to like, I, I have my hardest time in my critical brain to be like, what would a kid see in this, and what am I reading it for? Yeah, you know, am I reading it for people who have kids, or am I reading it for my friends who? most of them don't have kids you know would just go see it because they like spielberg movies or they like roll doll movies as a kid and things like that yeah yeah the one thing i like is and the beginning is just like everything i love about spielberg and probably drives people who hate spielberg crazy <laughs> like it's just it's beautiful way over lit like way just like simple shooting there's just this beautiful little shot where it's just like it follows them the uh, orphanage owner to the door. You see all these letters, and then just pans up to Sophie as she comes and gets the letters. Like that's just perfect character yeah. storytelling and simplistic beats. But it's yeah. also the thing with Silver that like nobody does that anymore, and it's beautiful to see. But it also is part of that language pace. Where like maybe we should bring that back, or maybe we have evolved in some ways to just tell the story faster. Mm-hmm. Well, you're saying that um, that technique of his is good for. 
picking up the pace to tell a story faster? No, I, I think it probably drags it down a little bit, but I also think it's much more elegant. And in that elegance, yeah. I really, really like. But I do wonder if that's where a lot of people are coming with like that boredom aspect, where it's like, I don't know. I wonder, like, if we showed to somebody now who's never seen E.T., like, does E.T. have the pace that you think is right, or is it slow? And I don't no, know. No, but, see, I feel like or is this more of the time kids were thing? getting... Yeah. I feel like more of the time kids were getting bored, and this one would be more like the fight scenes that didn't have much... Well, no, because I guess we've been over that. We're like the car thing, but... I don't know. I don't, I don't feel like that kind of artistry was where the film really dragged though i don't feel like that was the thing slowing it down more than anything else no i definitely when the more cgi we get the more bland the yeah. visuals kind of got like, i definitely feel like i think we should give like... him sorry no 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 i don't hear you <laughs> I, I think we should as much as we ragged on the cgi and how much uh, kind of slowed the film down um compliment at least that how well they did rendering the world and how great some of those effects actually were. Yeah, I like, thought the environments and the facial animations in particular were just perfect. Like, I think they've really come a long way in getting past that um, uh, kind of dead Polar eye. Express. Yeah, that Polar Express yeah. dead eye Tom Hanks look, <laughs> yeah, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. That face was so warm and lovely to watch, and like, it, it, it it's really come a long way. Yeah, like, <laughs> whenever BFG smiled, like, the, like, like his face like actually lit up. Yeah, it's it's really really impressive, and it's a tough thing about CGI. It's like so many parts have to work, particularly for a movie yeah. like this, and that's part of the weightlessness. It's like just that one thing that the compositing the girl in the same environments as the giants just doesn't quite work. It makes a yeah. lot of that hard work not really pay off, which is really frustrating. Yeah. So, what did you guys think of the score? I you know we always get a classic John Williams score. I thought it was one of the best. John Williams scores in a while. Uh, I like a lot of John Williams scores, but I don't know. This one really resonated with me, and maybe just because it gets to be an ultra whimsy mode. No, yeah, I was gonna say like to to repeat a word we to repeat a word we've said before, and like use it for this. Like it, it was it was whimsical, and I liked that. I, I I liked a lot about the music. Like like, like um I, I there there was there, it it reminded there were parts of it that reminded me of like of like watching um the original disney's fantasia uh when 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 mm. they uh, during the scene when they were at like when they were at the tree um with with all with all of the dreams and and so and so uh william williams would use i guess i i guess it was a flute some 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 kind some kind of some kind of wood of woodwind instrument um like to to get to show like to give a musical representation of, of like of the flood of the fluttering of of the of the of like the dream lights across the screen, like stuff mm-hmm. like that. I liked it, like because because it was little hints and notes here and there to to like to real to more fully illustrate what was happening on screen. I like, I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I'd I'd agree with you. I think the score was at its strongest at moments like that, uh, particularly at the dream tree. I um, I didn't the the. It got distracting for me at certain points, especially when the uh, the bigger, badder giants showed up, and it was just kind of the same lumbering, plodding, um, sort of like baseline, kind of played for laughs, like uh, music that kind of seemed like it was there just to make them seem less threatening kinda, after they were already being played for laughs. Yeah, kind of like when you play a tuba behind a person who you know was just really clumsy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thank you, Peter. That's that's a perfect yeah. example. Um, like, like there was no, that, yeah, there was no variance. There was that part with the 
the roller skating where it was like played for whimsy and it was also like it should have been played the score should have been played for horror a little bit more yeah yeah, yeah. and it i feel like they just used that theme over and over again without much variation at those points and there was a certain point that i just got flat out tired of it actually I'll, I'll, I'll <laughs> i can see that. that that's that's been an issue sometimes i have with uh williams lately it's like he, he writes one really good theme which is a shame to drag on Williams because he just won a uh, lifetime achievement. Oh, yeah. no one's gonna say he's not the best of all time. Like, it, and I do like him. Yeah. Oh, he—he's. Everyone can make yeah, a movie that's a little bit disappointing. It's—it's it's one of those things where it's like, it's like Pixar. You know, it's like, oh, he didn't make the best movie of all time. Oops. Yeah, you just made a really good score, not a perfect score. Right. Yeah. Yep. And, but yeah, then at the end of the day, he looks at you. He's like, "I'm still John Williams. Shut up." He's still John Williams. <laughs> like he's fine. <laughs> John Williams doing fine. I'm curious where the um, where the pacing really s- kind of struck home for y'all. Is it feeling like you were um, in the theater longer than you should have been? Because for me, I kept getting that feeling. Like maybe even halfway through the film, I kept I started to see, okay, this is going to drag on for too long. Yeah. And like I continuously talked myself out of it because I enjoyed watching the BFG's facial expressions and yes, just like see, I had mutterings that. so much. Yeah. But at the at the same time, I think it was. Yeah, and you'd mentioned Ben like the England when they go back to meet the Queen, the Queen segment, segment is just so awkward and comes out of nowhere. I think it was when we got to that and I was like, okay, we have like, like a good. whole like odd act here before the final like climax and just yeah, it's gonna take yeah. a while. For, that is yeah. one of those classic too faithful to the books things oh, you know yeah. what i mean like it's a classic yeah. like the woman who wrote this wrote et and i love her and i think she did a lot of very interesting things about this it's her, it's her final yeah. uh, script so now we can all feel better right. um and it's one of those things that like if, if another writer would go just cut it just cut it you know like it's a very mm-hmm. sweet scene and it's a neat like little nice bfg character scene we've already seen him exploring the world we've already seen him be nice and we've already seen him like there's no reason plot wise for that scene yeah and it's just for visual gags, and it's just for whimsy. And it, at that point, you've seen a lot of those. You've seen a lot of visual gags. You've seen him interact with the big world. Right. And something about the Queen, it's just like, it needed bigger actors, maybe it needed better sets. It just felt weirdly cheap, almost to me. Like, the whole, like, I know you can't go to Buckingham Palace, but, like, <laughs> it almost felt like sometimes, like, SNL level of sets. It was very oh. odd to me. Like, maybe oh, not wow. that bad. Maybe not that bad. But, like, I don't know, something about it. Maybe it's just because it's the Queen. Maybe it's because it's the literal Queen of England, like Queen Elizabeth II. Like, it's very jarring. They played was, it very... She, they had her play it very flat, which I kind of liked seeing her go for that. Cause she... I think... I'm just thinking... The only time I've seen that actress before is in a sim- similar role in Doctor Who, if I'm... If I'm Doctor Who. Player. That's a good yeah. level. It's like Doctor Who level, yeah. like, Queen. You know what I mean? Yeah. Doctor Who level, like, we're going to Buckingham Palace. That no, sense. I I am honestly just surprised that that like that, that that when when they were when they were at like the whole scene with the, with the Buckingham Palace, like most everyone once they were like okay, BFG is our friend. After that, everyone just took everything so in stride, like yeah, like, <laughs> no one batted an was... eye when he walked in. They were just like yeah, bring him a pitchfork as he was as a regular pork for his size. It's cool. 
Right, the generals have been briefed, and then they march in, and they're not surprised at all because they've been briefed. Yeah, like, I, 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 I know. They're professional. You, you, don't, yeah. you don't see yeah. anyone kind of stop on the tracks like, oh, God. Like, like they all just like they all just walk in, they all turn to him, he's like, oh, like, the BFG I, waves, and they're all just like, okay, cool. I feel like I part of that, that's... though, was this whole, like, classic British aesthetic that they were going for in this, in this, uh, in this movie, where it, just right down to the way Sophie's characterized, just very, like, this classic idea of what it means to be British. It's like, no, we're not going to be surprised by this. Yeah, no, it's not. Right, but it wasn't wasn't stylized enough, I think is the problem. It needed to be stuffier, and it needed to be pompouser, and, you know, like, and the fact that it's the literal queen that is the queen now, I think that's what I'm realizing now. It's like, we're already in this crazy reality. Why is the literal queen of England, but then, like, you have a general who has, like, a crazy curly Q mustache with, like, a comedy beard, like, yeah, it's like they a could very have... odd clash where like you're literally showing the Queen of England with her corgis, and then it's like a comedy person and like super overly stuffy British people, and, and yeah, that tone is very odd. Like you can't have a flat queen, I guess. I that? didn't realize that, but that makes total sense to me now. Yeah, it would have made a lot more sense to go. I mean, I don't know if you could have still had the helicopters. Not that the helicopters made sense anyway. Oh, yeah. But... <laughs> yeah, it's like helicopters picking up giants. Yeah, it's like. <laughs> but um, like it would have made a lot more sense, even from the how they set the tone of what london was in like the opening shot with like the, the orphanage that just says orphanage on it and everything but it had been an, an older like set in the same time as willy wonka and the chocolate factory right. was you know right like that kind of image of london yeah yeah that's it's a great example guy. of that like yeah. where, where poverty london is literally like you have one bed with five people in it like that's right. comedic that's a comedic look you know I mean, I felt like that was what kind of made the opening plausible when he's sneaking around, when the giant, the BFG, is sneaking around in the streets of London just hiding behind things to make sure that no one sees and him. And able to and do so, so easily, too. Yeah, I, that, that was one of my favorite parts of the movie right there, actually. It's like, especially when he just like pretends to be a tree by standing on one right. and just actually over it. That was clever. I really liked that. That was the um, most Spielbergian. Like, the whole intro was like pure... Classic yeah. children's Spielberg, right. whimsy, magic. You know, like that was definitely when it worked for me the most. That's what's so frustrating about this film is there's so many moments like that where I feel like it worked so well, and those are the moments that I saw in the trailer that made me want to go and see it. But then there's just all this other stuff, and it dragged on and on and. <laughs> yeah, no, and that is that has been Spielberg's lot lately, and it's tough he's one of my favorite but bridge directors. of spies was good and it was the same guy like i didn't want to see bridge of spies and like i didn't for like a year <laughs> until the guy won the oscar and then i had to see it and it's like oh this is this like a really simply tight written good story and it was I, I, right and that's like a movie that feels like spielberg made in a weekend you know like he can just <laughs> make I, I a still, movie and it's incredibly good i still haven't seen bridge of spies it's on my list of movies that i need to see sooner rather than later <laughs> It's it's a dad movie, but it's, it's a, a good dad. dad. It's a dad, dad movie. <laughs> it's a dad oh, movie. That's great. It's a dad movie. No, it's dad it's, movie. it's it's definitely good for like their like nostalgia nostalgic like history. Too, yeah, because, yeah. That, that the baby sense. boomers. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah, I watched Bridge of Spies after I watched the um, like the CNN documentary on the '60s, and it was perfect. just right ah. after that. It was perfect. <laughs> nice. I like it. And that's that's the interesting thing, yeah, about Spielberg. He, he just knows how to move the camera and compose a shot and tell a very simple, straight up, well told, well shot story like nobody's business. And it's so interesting to me that like he hasn't made a movie that's like been like even like a minority reporter catch me if you can, like those are kind of the last ones that I was like, uh, or even War of the Worlds, like there were sections in War of the Worlds that were just like, unbelievably good to me. 
like he just he makes these movies that are so I know they're so well composed and I know mm-hmm. that he's like a master and one of the best directors still working today. And something about his latest films that felt very cold to me. Even Bridge of Spies, which I did like, but it doesn't sit with me right. Mm-hmm. And I just don't know what that is. I don't know if it's a slump or if he's just gotten older and more simple or I, I don't know. But well, maybe Indy Five will change your mind, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe Ready Player One will be the one I love. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, is there anything else to say about BFG? Think we've covered right. it all. No, we know that I have anything else. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess let's go to scores. So, uh, Trevor, you go first. Uh, what would you give BFG? Uh, unfortunately, I am going to give the BFG a big meh of uh, <laughs> 5 out of 10. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You want to explain so, why? I feel like yeah, yeah. covered it. Uh, yeah, I'll just reiterate, I guess. I really, really wanted to like it. If I hadn't been hyped, as hyped as I was going in, maybe. Um, yeah, I, it wouldn't have been. Well, no, because throughout the film, like I said as I realized what I was getting into and that it was more aimed down at kids and that it, the pacing was going to be lagging, I still, like, talked myself into having a good time because the BFG himself was so compelling. Mm. But at the end of it, yeah, I can't really recommend it. Um, right. So I'm just going to give it a five. Fair enough. All right. Uh, Peter, what do you give BFG? I'm giving Steven Spielberg's BFG a 6.5 out of 10. Um, I I enjoy I enjoyed it. Wow! What? Wow! Okay. What was that? <laughs> I don't know. Um, like I I I enjoyed it, but I but I'll agree I'll agree with Trevor. Like there were there were definitely times watching it where I just felt that it was lagging a little too long. But but I but I but I guess but I guess I, I guess for me it helped that I had several children who were in the theater with me. Like at least from at least for me personally. So so it kind of helped me get into the whole thought process of like of like this is a kid's film how would they see this how would how would they watch it how would they enjoy it so so i mean like it was whimsical it was it was it was heart it was heartfelt it was heartwarming um but it just didn't like totally do it for me so 6.5 fair enough enough. i will give it i was gonna come in gonna be strong give it a seven but the more i talked about it the more i realized my issues and i had to let that as you go a little bit, so I'm going to give it a six. It is a very good film in parts. Uh, it has those classic Spielbergian moments, but we have a lot of great Spielberg films that give you those classic Spielbergian moments, and this just isn't up there with his higher echelons of films, I have to admit. I think it's still worth seeing for performances, particularly Mark Rylance, who's just so lovely and charming, and I'm glad he seems to be a, a new frequent collaborator with Steven Spielberg, because I think they work fantastically together, and there's going to be great uh, fooms to come from them yes. but there are these tonal issues and there is some problems in terms of feeling the weight and everything but I, I still would tell people just try and show your kids it it's it's a different kind of movie it's slower it's quieter but it's nice and it's pleasant and it's sweet and there's not enough films like that sometimes so I'll agree. Uh, I want to like it more I really do but it's got problems so 6 out of 10 so I'll just do some quick math Oh, you guys made me sound like a dick. No, <laughs> no, no, no. We're all pretty much on the same page. You're just, you're just. It, like, it's, you're no, just... yeah, we're all on the same page. It's, it's just a slight difference in like what do we each personally give it. Yeah, and you said you were really looking forward to it, so I think you probably had more of the. Uh, yeah, tougher. that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> all right, so that gives us a five point eight for BFG, which we will round up to a six. I can live with that. 
Because it'd be ridiculous to say 5.833333333333333. Yes. Yes. Silly math. Never as easy as it is. All right. So last week, the bet for Central Intelligence was what will the BFG make? And BFG did not make a lot, apparently. Our meh score reflected the box office as the BFG currently is banking to make around $22 million. We don't have ex- actuals in yet. Oof. But that means of people in the cast, the lowest was Peter with $30 million. So, Peter, I believe you have a very interesting thing to talk to us about. So, Peter, take it away. Oh, wait, before we go, I forgot. I almost forgot this one. Yeah. We need to make bets <laughs> yeah. first for next week. Next for next week, we the only film that's coming out that has no reviews already because Secret Life of Pets is already open in the UK. The only other film that has no reviews, so we all go in fresh. Is Mike and Dave need wedding dates? Uh, this is the new comedy film from the writer of Neighbors, and it stars Adam Devine and Zac Efron, Aubrey Plaza, and Anna Kendrick. So it's got a good cast, but sort of a silly goofy premise from a book that's not really nice. So well, the funny people will go a lot of ways. Hopefully the funny people in this movie go... will elevate it to hilariously right. funny levels. So, bad source material, but good writer and, and good funny actor. So who knows? I'm going to take negative. I'm feeling negative on this hey. one. I'm going to say 40%. Negative. Going to be bad. Yeah. Uh. All right. No. 50. I'm going a little bit higher. 50. <laughs> Solid math. Okay. Okay. Good. Good. Good on you because <laughs> I was actually because if you were take if you were gonna say forty, I was gonna say thirty five. But since you're going to fifty, I'm gonna take your forty. Okay. <laughs> okay. I, I I may regret that my change for <laughs> being changed. Who knows? Trevor could pull. Who knows? Trevor could Trevor could like pull a like what's like like um. A reverse, a pri- a pri- reverse Batman versus Superman. Take a price is right. He could take a Price's Right move right now and like lowball even me. So who knows? What what's what's your he bet, Trevor? No, I've been really optimistic lately. I bet high on BFG. I um, I enjoyed Neighbors, which had the same screenwriter as this and uh, the same this team people. So I'm gonna. Well, I guess if it's just the three of us, I'll go for sixty. But if we open it up to the wider cast, I'll go in for seventy percent. Actually, oh, okay. real positive, real positive, yeah. He's gonna take it from us for being. Who knows? He could be positive. right. Like, I mean, I mean, like, I, I mean, I, I know, I know, I know. Neighbors reviewed well, so. Plus, Zac Efron is actually like a good actor. <laughs> he is a good actor, but <laughs> he didn't say he has proven himself worthy after High School Musical days. Yeah, this is true, but that didn't save Dirty Grandpa. So I'm just saying, Zac Efron oh, still makes crap. I totally forgot yeah. that movie even existed. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. Sorry to remind you the Dirty Grandpa. <laughs> also has Zac Efron and Aubrey Plaza. So I'm just saying. Aubrey Plaza by herself. Are, it's these like people so... have the ability to appear in bad movies. All right. So now, Peter, I'm so sorry. Oh, no, you're fine. Please take it away, your spiel. Close out the cast. Okay, everyone. After talking about a wonderful, heartwarming uh, child's film, I'm going to get kind of dark. Not really. Kind of dark. Uh, I want to. T- I want to talk to you about uh, Free State of Jones and the Birth of a Nation. Uh, 
Free State of Jones uh, was, was released in theaters uh, earlier this year on June 24th, starring Matthew McConaughey, and it tells the story of a farmer named Newt Knight who was a Confederate Army medic in 1863 who would rather help the wounded uh, instead of fight the wounded, instead of fight the Union. I'm sorry. Uh, he leaves battle, returns to his home in Jones County, Mississippi, and he is branded an outlaw deserter. Um, he then bands together with other farmers and slaves to lead a rebellion. Um, on the flip side, we have Birth of a Nation, a movie that is a movie that is written, directed by, and starring Nate Parker, and it's set to be released uh, later this year on October seventh. Got rave review, rave reviews at at, Sun, at Sundance. It's 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 already looking to be um, it's already looking to be probably like a Best Picture nomination at next year's Oscars. Uh, it shares the film. It shares its name with D. W. Griffith's nineteen fifteen silent drama, which is noted for its portrayal of black men as unintelligent and aggressive towards white women, and depicts the Ku Klux Klan as a, ho- a heroic force. Nate Parker's film is instead a period drama about Nat Turner, a slave who led a, sla- a slave who led a slave rebellion in Southampton County, Virginia, in 1831, which subsequently led to the prohibiting to prohibiting the education of slaves and free blacks, and also restricting their rights to assembly. The thing that I'm curious about, uh, I'm curious about between these two films, is how they will be marketed and perceived and accepted by general American American audiences particularly black Americans and white Americans due to their subject matter. With Jones, we have a film that, while based in history, will still play into the trope of white savior or white man's burden. This is something that's seen in such films as James James Cameron's Avatar with Jake Sully, which also has a bit of the trope um, Mighty Whitey. Um, The Blind Side with the Tuis. Tuis? How do you pronounce the name? Do you guys know? I never saw it, but I know what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah, um, th- uh, yeah, yeah, uh, and also uh, Dangerous Minds with Luann Johnson. So, bo- so both fiction and non and and, non- and nonfiction films. The, uh, this is a trope that, like it or not, can be found in several facets of pop culture and general media, from movies to TVs, uh, video games, books, what have you. On the uh, with Birth of a Nation, there I- there is no white savior, and instead, those who need saving seek to take l- seek to seek to take matters into their own hands. This reminds me of. Um, it actually reminds me of Selma's director Ava, Ava DuVernay's response to her depiction of, Lim- of Lyndon B. Johnson in her film, saying, "quote I wasn't interested in making a white savior movie. I was interested in making a movie centered around the people of Selma." End quote. This will be manifested in, to be frank, Nat Turner and those and, and those involved in his rebellion, killing about sixty people, like about six about sixty white people, uh, men, women, and children. No discrimination made in who to spare. Definitely a tough pill to swallow, and even more so depending on who you're asking and how they feel about it, from historians to those who aren't. So for me, at the end of the day, my intrigue comes from wondering how non-critics uh, will react to Free State of Jones and Birth of a Nation in terms, uh, in terms of their significance to uh, yeah, excuse me, their significance in American United States history, their subject matter, and how they are portrayed, or if they will even see their film because of what they're about, because Honestly, you're currently listening to a guy who never thought that a film about Nat Turner's Rebellion would ever be made, especially after first seeing Jones, especially especially after first seeing um, a Jones trailer earlier this year. Time will obviously tell as we get closer to October, and you might and you might he- we might hear about this on Twitter and other social media platforms, maybe even Fox News. So. Be on the lookout because I know that I will. You know I'm right. They're they're probably going to talk about this movie. Let's be real. Um, So, yeah, that's my spiel. I'm interested to see how these films do. 
Anyway, uh, thank you very much for listening to this week's episode of the Movie Game Podcast. We hope that you have enjoyed it. We hope you've, we've hope you've gotten some insight into what we think about children's movies. <laughs> at least, at least this one. Um, this has been Ben, Trevor, and Peter. We hope you enjoy us next time. We hope you have a good day, night, afternoon, whatever whatever time of day it is you're listening to this. Tune in next time to to hear us talk about our next film. Peace. Thank you.